Hey, here we are again with another week of Rabbeinu's Four Kitot. We've seen the late scene, we've seen the Shakarim, the liars, we've seen the Hanafim, the people who applaud evil or bad or not as good or respect and all that. Now we're going to start on Lashon Hara, which aside from liars, although I think liars today are less recognized as a category than they should be, are probably the best known category, Lashon Hara tellers. Rabbeinu is going to spend, we're going to spend most of our time on Lashon Hara today, on Lashon Hara, on slander of others that is false. Next time we'll take on slander that is true and the problems with that. Because we've been a lot of time on the evils of Lashon Hara and stressing them to us. Remember, Rabbeinu is writing this long before the Chafetz Chaim wrote his work. So Rabbeinu's perspective on Lashon Hara is a fairly early collection of uh, of ideas about the problems of Lashon Hara. So Rabbeinu says, I'm in the third Shah of, 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 of Shari Tshuva, we're approaching the end, and I just want to point out that Rabbi spends 31 paragraphs on these kinds of people. So, he starts in paragraph 200 of the Sha'ar. He points out the Gemarion Erechin on 15b, Ted Vava Mibet says, Kol ki'ilukufer ba'ikar. Now you've just, he's just put it for us in a faith context. He says that, that slandering other people involves a, a demonstration of a lack of faith. Where does he get that from? Or where does Gamora get it from? Because the verse says in Tilim, Asher Amru Lil Shonenu Nagbir. These are people who say, what I want to talk about. That's what's going to rule the day. And at the end of that verse, it says, Mi Adon Lanu, who rules over us? Meaning the Gemara is telling us, as Rabiniona, that the person is like they've denied the existence of God because here, the, 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 the slanderer is causing damage to somebody else. And it could be great damage to that other person because they're making others think ill of those people and, or loss in other ways. And the and he says, it's, it's implausible. It doesn't make any sense that a person will cause destruction and damage and hurt to somebody else. Usually it's because, or almost always because, the person's going to gain from it. Right, he thinks he's going to get a profit out of it, and then if he's doing it for those reasons, it means that. And if, it's, if there's no profit from it, I think that's the idea. Lashonar often there's no profit for the original person. So usually, if one Jew, one person damages another person, there's at least the excuse they're doing it for profit, right? So I cheat in business and I get ahead. I want to make money. But Lashon Hara very frequently is just about wanting to knock other people down without any specific benefit in mind. Rabbi Yonah says what Erechen is telling us is that it must be that his, his, uh, this person's evil inclinations have overwhelmed him and the person is thrown off the yoke of heaven. Now, why thrown off the yoke of heaven? So the answer is because here I am, I'm doing something negative and damaging somebody else. I'm hurting somebody else. I have no real reason to be doing it. This Lushan Haratella, I don't want to talk about myself as being that person, right? This Lushan Haratella has no real reason to do it. Just doing it. And he points out that elsewhere in Tilim, when David is talking about, it makes a more about the Zifim who went to Shoal and told Shoal that David was hiding with them. This is a, an episode, remember David in his life, had many people told Lashon Har about him. Many people reported on him to Shaul. It's sort of a, 
an underlying drama. I'm not sure we always uh, we always I I always focus on. Meaning, I know that David has to run away from Shaul for a long time. But remember, Shaul is the king of the Jewish people. He's the first king of the Jewish people, and he's got power. He's got connections, and there were people who chose to create favor with him. Among them, the Zifim, and the Zifim come and they tell Shaul that David is hiding, and David and Elk writes about it. Dealing with Dalid, Kizarin Kabbalah, these strangers, these foreigners, these, these people I don't really know well tried to damage me, and he writes, Lo samu elokim lenegdam, and they didn't think of God. Right? They didn't They didn't put God uh, opposite them. They, as they're doing something, we're, we're trying to hurt somebody else for no real reason, although in their case, maybe to curry favor with Shoal, but they clearly have forgotten about God in doing so. And the Midrash to that, Mizmor of Tilim, on the idea of Lo samu elokim lenegdam, says, their goal was that Shaul should bless them, should benefit them, right? As he does, because he says, You should be blessed to God because you've had compassion on me. So they weren't thinking about God because God says, right? In the Pesach of Devarim says that, it, that when the Jews stood in Har Grisim and Har Eval, then one of the things they would say is that somebody who who damages another Jew, a uh, fellow Jew, in secret, should be cursed. So the Zifim, when they're trying to bring about damage to David, and we in here they have a self uh, they have a self interested motive because by doing this they're going to curry favor with Shaul, he'll bless them, he'll think well of them. And yet, nonetheless, we're assuming we're thinking that they haven't absorbed well enough the messages that God sends in the Torah. And although Vidyona doesn't make a point of it, it's just worth, I think it's worth noticing that Shoal has clearly, I'm not saying Shoal has forgotten God, but he's clearly lost sight of the way God views the world because Shoal says to them, God should bless you. It's as if, not as if, it's Shoal doesn't sort of stay aware of the fact that he's the bad guy, but right? he's the one who's doing the wrong thing. And he's trying to get them to help him hurt David, but that's not the way he should be handling it. So that's all there in that. And they have brought it to his view rather than into the correct view. That's the Zifim. Similarly, David Amelach, again, or two chapters earlier in Tehilim, when he's talking about Doeg, right? Doeg is the servant of Shoals who was at Nov the day that David came to Nov when he was running away from Shoal and convinced the coin of Nov to um, to give him Goliath's sword so he could have some weaponry when he ran away from Shoal. And Shoal hears about it because Doeg tells him about it. And Shoal eventually kills the city of Nov. Or as Doeg kills the city of Nov. The point being that Doeg brings about a lot of damage and a lot of hurt and a lot of death by his Lashon Hara. And David says about him in Tehillim, in Tehillim Nunbet 52, Sukkim Adalat he says, He says, You should have thought about the way you used your tongue, the way you used your language, the way you used your words. You preferred uh, evil to good, falsehood to speaking righteousness. And the Midrash on that Mizmor says, what did you get out of it in that case from telling Lashon Hara? You didn't need money. Dog is a powerful, rich guy. So uh, you need the money. 
So it must have been that you did it out of a love of evil. You just sort of enjoy uh, being part of the forces of evil. That's what David is sort of saying about Doeg uh, and Shekhamid Abitzedek because you have removed, this is what Yona talked, you've removed the yoke of heaven from you in deciding to tell evil about other people in a way that will get them hurt. So that's one whole big issue within Lashon Hara. And so far, the Rebbeinu has not differentiated a false Lashon Hara from true Lashon Hara. After what Doeg tells about Tolshol, about the city of Nob, he mostly tells him things that are correct and accurate and true. So, so far, Rebbeinu has not differentiated the two types of Lashon Hara, true from false. We'll get to that when we get to the categories. Rebbeinu is giving an overall picture of Lashon Hara and what's wrong with it, what's bad about it, and and uh, how much it uh, and, and how much it hurts people and, and all things that are wrong with it, among them being what it says about the person willing to tell it. The person willing to tell it is revealing something about him or herself that's a not flattering and b reveals an insufficient attachment or an insufficient awareness of God's will and concern with God's will because God doesn't want this stuff being said. Okay, moving away from that, Rina now has another reason that. Lashonara is so bad. He's a Vashenit. He's thought of as being a kofir by Ikar. Another reason he's thought of as denying God is that the person says to him, self, I can say what I want. So the first one was that the person wasn't keeping track of the fact that God doesn't want him to do this. The second is, even if he doesn't keep track of the fact that God doesn't want to do this, he also is assuming that his lips, his mouth, his words are his right. Right? He's the one who talks about it. He's decided he's not going to say to refrain from saying things that he wants to say. He'll say what he wants to say. And there's that sense of uh, of ownership of oneself, ownership of one's words, which Rebbeinu Yona is saying is an element in uh, in the reason when we talk about a person who tells Lashon Hara as sort of denying, God forbid, but denying faith in God. The denial of faith in God is the sense that what I want is what I have the right to do, rather than saying, what does God want me to do? After all, God created me. God uh, God can control everything about me. God can control my life. And so people so people tell Shadar are saying, I don't care about that. Now, Rabbi says, that's not quite as true of other sinners, right? People who commit other sins because they know that it's bad. They recognize that it's bad. They, they can see that it's bad. They're just tempted or they're just, you know, it's too tempting. It's too enjoyable. And that's the, the experience of sin. Rabbi Yonah is saying, Lashon Hara isn't that way, because I think he thinks we're not we're not just tempted by Lashon Hara in the same way. We're tempted maybe psychologically, because we enjoy telling it, we enjoy the juiciness of it. But we're not tempted like there's a burning uh, physical desire for it. It's a function of our saying, I get to talk the way I get to talk, and, and nobody has a right to tell me about that. Now, Rabbi Yonah says that's unusual about Lashon Hara, but I think in our times, that's a very uh, relevant issue in many kinds of sin. I just the other day had a, had a wonderful opportunity to share some thoughts with some students at Barilan. And one of the students said in the course of a discussion that had nothing to do with this, you know, but what if my values tell me X or Y or Z and the Torah's values are otherwise? So sometimes it's not as true. Sometimes we don't know what the Torah's values are as much as we can, but that underlying idea that my values should rule, that's part of what Rebidion is talking here. Now there it's about values. So the person has decided they think that whatever it is, is an important value, is an important, is like it's a principle of it. That's even worse, right? That would be like what Shoal, the Shoal I was mentioning earlier, when Shoal thinks that what Hashem really wants people to report of it. 
because Shoal has convinced himself that God's on his side. So I don't know how that works and how that happens, but that's what's going on here too. Because the, the video is saying the people with their language very often they think to themselves, I say what I want to say. I'm in control. I'm the one who makes the decisions. And they don't let themselves remember that maybe God wants to not do that. I think today that comes up in many other sins. And I won't give examples because it's exactly trying to give the example that will irritate people because they say, what are you talking about? No, I'm correct that God does want this. and God does value this. So that's even worse, right? What happens when Hashem clearly tells us that some value is incorrect and we say, no, no, no. Well, I know that Hashem thinks differently. So here too, with Lashonara, I think Rabbi Yona thinks, the person is going to say, I don't care what God thinks, but which could be true. And then that's an example of being kofir by Ikar, God forbid, of denying God's power because you're saying, God said this, but I don't care. But along with that, there's the danger that people say, I'm going to convince myself that God is fine with me doing this. Okay. So he says also, Goran Erechin says, that Lashonara, is as bad that the Gemara says it has the same damaging effect. It, it, it's equal to it's equal to worshiping a power other than God. It's equal to the various kinds of sexual immoralities. It's equal to murder. Now, uh, Rabbi assumes that if it's equal to all three of them, it means it's actually worse than any one of them. I'm not sure you had to understand the Gemara that way. Theoretically, the Gemara could have been, it's equal to each of them. He thinks it means it's equal to all of them together, which means it's more stringent, it's worse, and it's got more uh, of a negative impact than any one of them. So he says in paragraph 202, how can you explain that Lashonara would be worse than those three? After all, those three are the ones that are Yehirag, Yehirag, Yehavor. Those are the ones where, God forbid, an oppressor comes and says, violate this or else I'm going to kill you. We have to always, you know, with all the mitigating factors, uh, not all, but most of the mitigating factors, right? So it's in private and it's not a time of oppression, right? Nonetheless, we can't violate these three. So how could it be that Lashonara is worse than them? When he says, here are the ways that it's worse. First off, the, the person who says Lashonara will do it much more often. I mean, God forbid somebody commits a murder, it's not going to be a regular thing. I used to watch this, like, in the movies, and I'm not sure this is true, but in the movies, you have people who are hitmen. They end up having hit in their lives as a hitman. You know, they have a 20-year career as a hitman, and they ended up killing 20 people, 15 people, 5 people. Because killing people, even in a world where you kill people, doesn't happen all that often necessarily. But with Lashadhara, if you get used to just talking bad about other people, it could be... 10 times a day. That doesn't really what it says. It could be 10 times a day and you embarrass somebody and you, and you, and you, and you denigrate them and, and you say things about them that you shouldn't be saying and you do it in private. Whereas Avodazara, I'm sorry, so because it, you think of it as not being so serious and therefore you'll do it many times. And Radiona's point is, this is a point that I, I've heard always uh, accredited to the Ran in Yoma because the Ran. Yoma talks about the Gemara there says if it's a choice between uh, feeding a person who's ill non-kosher meat or slaughtering an animal so they can eat kosher meat. I think the Gemara says you can slaughter the animal. I don't understand why. After all, isn't let's talk about on a Shabbos. Isn't eating nevela, isn't eating the non-kosher meat a lesser sin than violating Shabbat or violating Yom Kippur? So the Ran says 
No, because every bite you take of the non-kosher meat will be a, a separate prohibition, whereas this was just a one-time shkita, one-time slaughtering. So that's what he says. Here, Vinyon is saying a very similar idea. I'm not saying he beat the run to it, but it's a similar idea. He's saying that the the uh, odiousness, whatever the right word for that is, the, the problem with Lashon Ara, where the Gemara says that, it's, that it stands out as, as equal to, or even worse than, those other three, so those other three are going to happen once, maybe, God forbid, whereas this is going to happen over and over again because the person gets used to it, they're just going to do it. Second, he says, somebody who tells Lashon Hara has a really difficult time repenting, doing tshuva for it. Because after all, when you get used to speaking a certain way, then you're no longer really in control of yourself. And it becomes second nature. You, our, our conversations, the way we speak, become uh, a routine for us. And we just fall into that routine. So if we get used to dropping the negative information we just heard about somebody into conversation, then tshuva is going to be really hard. Meaning, let's even imagine a person regrets it. And they do tshuva in that sense. And they come to know that it's wrong. But getting themselves not to do it anymore is going to be a whole new level. Third, he says, right? It's also true to get to tshuva, to get to the point that the person wants to repent is also not going to be so easy because they don't think it's a big deal. They just chatter, just talk, right? But doesn't realize the kind of damage it creates. And that's going to mean that they won't really do tshuva. And even if they even if they repent, it won't be. Remember, this is Shari Tshuva. This is Rabbi Yoda, where he was talking a lot about that. To, to properly repent a sin, the sinner must have a full appreciation of how bad it was, the thing that the sinner did, this man or woman who committed the sin. So what he's saying here, at the end of the third char, where he spent the third char laying out the levels of sin for precisely this reason, precisely because he believes that uh, a full understanding of the level of sin, the severity of sin, is in fact an essential part of tshuva, here the person's likely not going to get there because he thinks, or she thinks, I just talked, I was just chatting, I was just, every talks, every gossips. So he says, or Reniona says, that proper full tshuva has to involve a real sense of regret. Which really means the, the, the flames of agony should burn in the person's soul because it feels so bad about it. But if all I think I do is I said something in conversation that people say a million times a day and that's how I let myself off the hook, that's not going to be real tshuva, which is a broad tshuva lesson, but we're involved in figuring out these uh, Lush and Har people. Next paragraph is a fourth reason that it's so bad and it may be considered worse than the other three sins for which one has to be killed rather than transgress them. He says also, when we when somebody commits a sin towards somebody else, they have to ask for forgiveness, right? So he's going to have to have to forgiveness for the people that he damaged. He's not going to remember them all because it's just I was talking. I don't know what I said about everybody. I just I've been talking for twenty years. Who knows what I said? And they also don't know that they can come to either come to demand an apology, but also another reason why he won't want to ask them for forgiveness is because he'll be embarrassed because he doesn't want to let them know what he said about them, right? Because they didn't know about it, maybe, right? He said, he said, oh, you shouldn't hire that person for the job because they're whatever. And it wasn't true. And what? You're going to go now and admit it to the person? So that's a hard is issue in the tshuva, in the repentance for Lashon Rather, The Reniona says, there's going to be a reason why Lashon is such a, such a serious sin, because Shuvah for it is so unlikely. 
right? And that's why he says that we compare often compare Lashonara to an arrow, right? Because if I shoot arrows often, I don't know who I'm going to hit. Where did I just see? Oh, as I'm as I'm taping this, Prince Harry had that book that just came out, which I haven't read, and I have no intention of reading. But in the newspaper reports about it, which I read obsessively, unfortunately, um, he talks about how many people he killed in Iraq, right? So, but at the time of the Gemara, at the time of, of shooting arrows, so you took a quiver of arrows to battle, or two quivers, three quivers, you shot them, you didn't know any people you hit. So here too, that's how Lashon Hara is comparable to an arrow that with our Lashon Hara, we don't know all the people who we've damaged with it. Um, that's one thing that he says. Second thing, reason to compare it to an arrow is because once the words leave my mouth, I have no more control over them and I can't fix them. Like if I shot somebody with an arrow. So for example, let's imagine that I'm annoyed with a family and I say, God forbid I should do such a thing. But let's say I say, oh, that family, they're all liars and cheaters. They have a family, you know, tradition of lying and cheating. And let the people believe me that I have now hurt all of the generations that come after that. Even just, and this is not really honest, this is my example, but even just if I hurt that first generation, and therefore, you know, the job prospects of the head of the family are ruined by what I said, later generations will then be in a much harder place in the socioeconomic system, and I'll have damaged all of them, but I won't know that, and I won't have any control over it, like an arrow, right? And people who are willing to talk about other people, they'll even speak about like the most righteous, the best people, because you know they're not, they don't care because it's their like it's their right to talk and they just do it, right? And all of that leads to uh, a, a set of sins the person will repeat. He'll cause damage. He doesn't know how to, He doesn't realize that he's causing. He won't be able to fix it and won't uh, necessarily be able to repent for it, or if they're able to, won't come to repent for it in a lot of, in the proper, the fullest way. One more way, the Lashonara is so terrible, maybe even as bad or terrible, worse than the three. From Lashonara, Rabbi says, you end up speaking, the God forbid, the person ends up speaking wrongly and improperly about God. And that's also another verse dealing. Shatum Shamayim Bashamay Pihem. They had their, you know, their voice, their their mouths go up to the heavens. Lushranti Lapparat and their language speaks on the earth. So what does that mean? The Gemara in Erechit on fifteen A, right near what we were talking about before, says that there were ten times that the Jewish people rebelled against God or tested God in the desert. We all know that there were the Asardis, you know. And yet says the Gemara in Erechit. They weren't punished with the fact they wouldn't get into Israel until they told Lashon Hara, right? Because the verse says when Moshe Rabbeinu was reviewing the history of the Jewish people in the desert, he says, Hashem heard you when you were talking, meaning the sin of the spies was the sin that got the Jews to uh, be withheld from being able to enter the land of Israel. And the way Moshe Rabbeinu describes it is, Hashem heard your voice, right? And then Apostle Malak says, You've heard Hashem, or you've tired Hashem, you've wearied Hashem with your voices. So Rabbi is saying, yeah, because from Lashon Hara, they went to, at the time of the desert, they went to uh, to talking about God, talking wrongly about God, why is God taking us, that, taking us out into, to kill us in the desert? Why did God do this to us? 
Everybody understand that's a characteristic of Lashonara as well. That a characteristic of Lashonara is that if we get used to just speaking about whoever we want, whatever negative ways we want, we, God forbid, get used to speaking about God wrongly and inappropriately as well. So he says, and therefore be very careful about how great a sin it is when people tell Lashonara. So they've got the sin itself. And then also, he says, the time that people are telling Lashonara is a time when they're not studying Torah. And they get so used to having conversations and chatter and Lashonara, they forget their Torah study. And David Amalab says also to him, Meaning, I know all these people who are sitting around and talking, right? And they're just talking about whatever they're talking about. And they're talking about Lashon Hara and they're doing all these things. They're talking about me, right? Bini Bar, they're talking about me. They're trying to do things to me. And I'm just learning Torah. And I'm just involved in your Torah. So Rinyona is pointing out that David Amelech is contrasting himself to these people. And in the contrast, we see that the telling of Lashon Hara gets in the way of Torah study. So that all of that has been an overall introduction to the category of Lashon Hara. In the previous groups that we've been talking about, when you introduced the group and talking about how many pieces, how many, how many subgroups there are, he's about to do that right now, which highlights that what he's done until now has been introductory material that he thought was necessary to think about in terms of all People of Allah are true, false, this, all of them have these elements to it that we've been talking about until now. So now he gets around to saying that there's um, six groups of Lashon Hara tellers. We're only going to do the first of those groups today at the time that we have left. There's six groups. The first group, which remember he does it in the order of severity, so this is the highest, the worst group, that's when we, we say something bad about somebody else. We, we claim that somebody else has a deficiency and they don't have that deficiency, right? So first off, Randy Yonah says, this person is doing two different things. He's doing lying, which he's already spoken about. This person has put themselves into the group of liars that we spoke about on other occasions, as well as telling Lashon Hara. And he says, the Torah rewards us not only against telling Lashon Hara, it also warns us against accepting Lashon Hara, believing it, buying into it, right? That's another piece of it. Somebody tells something that's negative about somebody else, we're supposed to say, I can't believe that unless I have proof of this, this, and this. And especially if it's not relevant to me, I'm not supposed to listen to it. And the verse says, you shouldn't listen to such things. And Shlomo Melech, yeah. So Shlomo Melech has a puzzle in Mishnah which says, So Reniona says that verse means that it means that somebody evil listens to uh, to, to bad talk about other people, and uh, and so he listens to it is a, a, a liar. Is right. So the Reniona says there's two groups who accept lashon hara. There's an ishmara who enjoys and is perfectly happy to be suspicious of otherwise fine people, and this person enjoys finding things wrong with them. Okay, that's a mira. So that's a part of it. So the reason I'm excited to hear Lashonara is because it will help me, you know, feel better than those people. Maybe it'll help me find out that those people aren't as good as I thought they were. So you'd like to find that damage and therefore you'll listen to Lashonara about them and uh, and you'll believe it because you want to because it, it, it feeds your narrative that other people aren't as good as, as, as they seem to be and it helps you feel better about yourself. I worry and hope and fear that hope. You'll say, no, 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 that must be true. That's one thing Shlomo Melech speaks about. And he says, 
And the second group that he speaks about, or the second uh, characteristic of this person who accepts Lashon Hara, is that you become, the person becomes an Ish Sheker, a person to whom the truth isn't so important. So since the truth isn't so important, he'll listen carefully and he'll believe to whatever random stories that people tell about other people because he's not interested in staying far away from falsehood and therefore he won't uh, worry that maybe he's hearing something that's false and he'll accept it. So those are the two elements of acceptance of Rion has moved from telling false Lashonara to accepting false Lashonara and that also reveals negative aspects about the person. And then to close today's discussion, next time we'll get to all of the other characteristics of Lashonara that Rediona talks about. He says, the person listens and admits and says, oh, that's got to be true. So he's basically aligned himself or herself with the person telling Lashon Hara. Because in the acceptance by other people, then other, then other people around there will say, oh, it must be true. Meaning, Ruvain tells Lashon Hara, Sarah says, oh, yeah, that's right, and, and, and accepts it. Then the people around say, well, if Sarah accepted, I guess it really is true. Right, and also, if a person chooses to listen and shows him or herself to be listening and believing, then that person is helping the evildoer. The telling of Lashonara was wrong, and this person is helping by by fostering the insult and fostering the um, the injury to the person who's being who's being slandered because he's uh, he, he's helping out. The person telling the telling the falsehood. So Shmuel says, "Upanim nizamim l'shon sater," meaning that when a person, um, when, there's a weather pattern relevance to this. But when a person has a, has an angry face, then people won't listen to lashonara because they'll know that this person isn't interested in it. Right? Meaning, if somebody starts telling lashonara and you make a face about it, make it clear you don't want to listen to it, which is not socially always so easy. But if you do, then it's avoidable. And in reverse, that shows that if the person doesn't do that, then they're fostering the Lashon Hara. And so that's the piece that Rabbi wants. So for today, we've started on a journey of Lashon Hara. We've seen Rabbi list ways in which Lashon Hara is a very bad sin, worse than we might have thought in lots of ways, and reminds us that the worst version of Lashon Hara is when it's not true, and that part of the Lashon Hara is the reaction of the people listening that if they agree to it or support it, that compounds the issue, and therefore they play a role in it as well. So next time, we'll pick up Lashon Hara when it's true, and we're going to say about that. But for now, this has been our further explorations of the four Kitot, of the four groups who will not merit seeing the divine presence, categories we are learning in the hopes that we never join those four groups and learn to avoid them. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time.